Welcome and let's first talk compliance. I'm Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Specialist at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow First Healthcare Compliance on Twitter at FirstHCC, on Facebook and Instagram at First Healthcare Compliance or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. On today's episode, I'm talking to David T. Womack, President and Chief Executive Officer at Practice Management Institute about the terrific need for continuing education and training in healthcare at all levels. As we know, continuing education for administrative employees is an important aspect of running a successful medical office. Changing codes, compliance guidelines, and federal regulations can become landmines if the practice is not up to speed on current standards. So today, we will discuss the need for staff education for the good of the practice in terms of compliance and profitability, how staff education leads to higher morale and confidence in their skills, and we will address some examples of types of regulations that impact a medical office. David joined Practice Management Institute, PMI, in 1991, serving in business development and marketing roles, as well as vice president for a number of years. He and his team work with hospitals and healthcare systems around the country to bring PMI training to medical offices. Prior to joining PMI, he worked with Controllafax, a company that specialized in office systems for medical offices. His systems and process expertise and organizational leadership have helped PMI expand its national footprint and training opportunities. So David, welcome to First Talk Compliance. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Catherine. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being here. So your company has worked with healthcare organizations and medical practices for 35 years now, helping them run more efficiently and be more successful. So you've seen a lot of changes in healthcare in that time, haven't you? Oh, my gosh. When you say it like that and when you reference control effects in the introduction, it makes me remember back. It makes me remember back to where everything was paper and ledger cards and, um, right. oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah there's been control a, of facts. I was like, facts, wow, facts. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I, it used to be that uh, if I was in a business meeting, I could sit around the table and I could talk about the one right system that control of facts had and people knew what I was talking about. Today, when I say that, not many, many people do, but uh, some of the people out there will remember a day where there was a ledger card and there was a, a journal sheet that sat at the, at the front desk uh, and everything was handled in one line and then the receipt was given to the patient and then, you know everything went from there but those days really don't exist anymore right right so well, what have we moved on uh, from those paper, paper ledger cards well as I think about for us and I think about for our, our audience the people that we work with on a daily basis I think some of the biggest transitions you know, over this time frame have been, you know, hospitals turning into healthcare systems, healthcare systems running practices. Uh, you know, that didn't really happen 35 years ago. Healthcare itself has just really become a business. And the whole shift from paper to electric, I mean, the things that technology has allowed uh, are probably some of the biggest, you know, transitions in the last 35 years. Right. And so how in the world with all of these changes, and it seems like things change so fast, it seems like it changes at a lightning speed. So how do you stay on top of and how does how do our 
you know, how do our listeners and how do our, our clients stay on top of this change? It almost seems insurmountable. I know your topic well, is on training and education, but how do you start? <laughs> Correct. You know, to say that it's uh, that the education and training is more important uh, today than ever before, you know, sounds like an overused term. Uh, but when you look at how technology and innovation is happening at such a fast pace, you've got to keep up with it. I was thinking uh, earlier, you know, just about think of an adult today and everything that they've had to learn in the last, you know, 10 years. The, the iPhone came out in 2007. Uh, right, right. Tr tr like taking a drink of water from a fire hydrant. I mean, just a lot to be, lot to be assumed or, or consumed as far as information. One of the things that um, Catherine, I was thinking about was, you know, establishing a need. First of all, you know, where do you start? Well, you start with that there really is a need. Um, I often say that the payment and reimbursement systems in healthcare today, they're some of the most complicated on the planet. Um, it's hard for patients to keep up with. It's hard for practices and healthcare systems to keep up with and administer. Um, and then you layer on state and federal regulations. Um, it's just incredibly difficult to, to uh, you know, consume all that information, understand it, and then implement it in a practice. So one of the places to start is just talking about the need for education because of all of those complexities. Uh, one of the areas that we spend a lot of time training in is billing and coding. And coding is the language that practices and healthcare systems, it's the language that they speak to a third-party payer with. Right. Those right. change they change every year. They're updated every year. So staying on top of those things are, are incredibly important. There's a lot of training that's actually required, too. There's a lot of licensed and certified professionals that uh, generally have a requirement about maintaining their, their license or their credential. So that's, that's some required training. And then all of healthcare has different types of OSHA trainings that have to happen. So I think, Catherine, a great place to start is really establishing that there really is a need. Uh, it's a very complicated business and to do it correctly and to do it, as you said in the intro, profitably, people need to be trained up. Absolutely. So so it sounds like having a well-trained staff is, is crucial to success. So what are some of the benefits to having a well-trained staff? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked that question because I love this. I love to be able to answer that. So well, a well-trained as well. <laughs> absolutely. So a well-trained staff, and I mean front desk to back office, they work better as a team. They make fewer errors. That equates to a better bottom line. That better bottom line is more money for the practice, and let's hope that shows up in people's paychecks. Also, a better team with fewer errors typically equates also to a better patient experience, which means customer service scores. And these scores have value now because many of the new payment models are moving from value or moving to value from volume. So it's becoming more and more important for that team to be this well-oiled machine, I like to call it. And let's also not uh, just gloss over the fact that job satisfaction is not always about money. We can't overlook the fact that people want to be part of a team. They want to be confident in their skills. And they want to know that they're doing a good job and they're helping with the success of the practice. So higher morale and less turnover are also two, two huge wins for a, a good team. Here's the biggest punchline. 
in that well-oiled machine that I've described, it allows the providers to practice medicine and not worry about the business. How about that? Oh my gosh, that sounds so great. It makes perfect sense. So where where do you start with this? Oh my gosh, I think I told you one time I, I did an interview several months back and I I basically said just steal Nike's you know tagline, just do it, and I I regretted that ever since. Uh, uh, so thank you, thank you for asking that and gives me a chance to uh, to reprieve. <laughs> to redeem yourself on that? Yeah, actually, yeah, redeem. So. <laughs> One of the things we talk about a lot internally uh, and in a lot of our training is um, a compliance plan, a compliance program. It's one of those things that everybody kind of knows they need. It's almost like having a, a will. Everybody knows they need to, you know, need a will, but right. you ask a, for a show of hands, and very few people have actually gone through the process of doing a will. But right. How many people have gotten around to it, right? That, that's exactly right. So now I'd, I don't want to scare people off and make the compliance plan sound like a will, but I hope you get the reference. Um, right. So a compliance program for a practice can be a really great place to start because part of doing a compliance plan is is going through the practice and really doing an analysis of where you are now and where you need to be to fully be compliant. And training is a part of an overall compliance plan. Uh, it's not necessarily an easy task, but it's also very doable. One of the other places to start is to look at the pain points. You know, what's causing the practice pain right now? Um, do you have that well-oiled machine that we described? You know, do you have a good team? Rejections or, or denials, is that on the rise or is that a problem? Is the, pro uh, is the practice overall having problem a problem utilizing modifiers? Are you getting paid appropriately for a mid-level provider? I mean, all of those things, anywhere there's a pain point, there's probably an opportunity for training with or without the compliance plan you kind of know where your where your pain points are and that's a great place to start well with training i know that actually this is a problem for me as well and i know it's not just a problem for me but it almost seems like today there's just so much information out there you know you you go to look for something and you're bombarded back with with so much information so and there's, there's just too much. So how do you decide where is the best place to turn for help? <laughs> just just Google it. R right. That's, yeah, that's, you just... that's, yeah, just Google it and see what comes up. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Um, right. As I'm sitting here staring <laughs> at my computer, I'm like, yeah, right. jump online, Google it. So, Catherine, you know what? Today, training and education comes in so many different formats. Uh, there's, a lot, there's the live classroom environment, which I think is has some benefits. It's certainly better for, for some coursework. Also, you get to interact with other students. You learn a lot from what other people are asking or how another practice is doing something. And there's also a tremendous networking opportunity in that live classroom. Now, online training has become very good over the past several years. Uh, offers affordability, offers convenience, and some people rather, would rather do that than, than go to the live environment. I have actually encountered those people as well. There's companies like mine. I mean, that's what we've done for the last 35 years. We actually do a combination of both, uh, live and online. But there's also, uh, there's a lot of resources out there for practices. And I tell people all the time, many of the medical societies, many of the specialty organizations offer really great resources. There's a lot of local communities that have an office managers group or a billing and coding group that pull together on some type of frequent basis. 
there's plenty of information online, but like we were just kind of joking about, uh, that's both a blessing and a curse. It's, some hard, it's sometimes hard to distinguish quality online. I've seen some very fancy websites, and I know that their product is really not that good. Mm, so right. do some research. Talk to some peers. You know, try to get a recommendation from someone before you make a purchase because you don't want to you don't want to waste that money. And then what about I know sometimes there's conferences to go to. Do you guys have I think you have a conference coming up, correct? Oh, we actually do. You know, in this fall, in October here in San Antonio, we've been doing training for 35 years. We've been doing a national conference for I believe this will be the 13th 13th year. I tell audiences that I'm in front of sometimes. Most of our training is one of our trainers speaking to five to 15 to 50 people, you know, a single trainer environment. The national conference is the one time a year when everybody comes to us rather than our trainer going to one of the cities that we train in. Everybody comes to us, just happens to be in San Antonio this fall, which is a great experience too, because most of the people here in our office get to interact with our customer, which is nice. But it's two days of training. It's probably 12 to 15 different trainers, hour, hour and a half long, you know, segments, some bite-sized pieces. And you just get a, a different perspective from all the different people that you're able to see over a two-day period. And I, I think it's the coolest thing we do all year long. Yeah, I haven't, I've actually never been to San Antonio. So it sounds like well, I've heard that it's the place, us. I've heard that their riverfront is a, is a lot of fun. And it's gone through a lot of changes over the years, and now it's just the place to be. That's what I've heard. Absolutely. There's also an area called the Pearl. The Pearl was uh, one of the original, you know, beer brewers here in the area, and that whole complex has now been turned into a. Uh, I think it's a four star. Uh, it's a fancy, fancy hotel. I don't know how many stars huh. that gets, but the whole area is restaurants and. Um, apartment living and hotel and it's a ton of fun. Wow. Sounds like the place to go. Sounds yeah, like a absolutely. Lot of well, good, good. So what kind of support do you think a practice need to accomplish this, to make all of this happen? Support. So are you saying that from a, a practice manager perspective or an employee or an owner or kind of everything? From a practice manager perspective. Okay. Well, bottom line, any kind of training program, any kind of training plan, it really has to have support from the top down. So ownership or leadership, they really have to have this commitment to success. I believe that a good education and training plan are a big part of any successful practice. And if you kind of review what we've talked about, we know there's an incredible need. Running a practice is difficult. Running a practice is one of those things, too. When we talk about rules and regulations, we kind of skimmed through that and talked about coding and this and that. Healthcare is one of those areas uh, or, or businesses that the, the, the rules and regulations seem to layer on top of other rules and regulations. So we've established that running a, running a practice is difficult and there's a lot to keep up with. We've talked about the benefits of a well-trained, well-oiled machine, that team, um, and it allows the, the provider to practice medicine 
and not have to worry about running the business. So that in my book is success, Catherine. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance, and my guest today is David T. Womack, President and CEO of Practice Management Institute, PMI. So David, when we were thinking about this and we were talking about this earlier, before when we were preparing for this, we were talking about technology and we were talking about, we had some thoughts about technology and and how things were changing. And and did you have anything that you wanted to, to share about that or some thoughts on that? You know. It was interesting. Uh, one of the one of my coworkers just recently was taking her daughter to visit some colleges, and she came back with this fantastic quote. And uh, the the people leading the tour actually said, "We're preparing students today for jobs that don't even exist yet." Mm. I thought that was really profound. And I think about mm. I think about technology and how far we've come. But the other side of that is, where is it going to end up? I was just reading an article uh, in preparing for this, and it talked about how a freshman starts college, the technology that they use as a freshman is outdated way before they graduate. Right, right. That's amazing, right? Yeah, just a couple of different ways to think about this. And it's, it's, I mean, we talked about the iPhone. It's only been out for 10 years. We've talked about our 35-year history. So the technology really took off when Steve Jobs introduced the world to the iPhone and the smartphones that came after that. And and that's only a third of those 35 years. Uh, Mm. Just amazing how far we've come. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is amazing. It's really – it's astounding. It is astounding, and it's it's amazing how how much farther we're going to go in just a few years. So it is it is so important about training, and the constant need for training. I sometimes <laughs> I sometimes feel like my brain gets tired. Like, gosh, I feel like I've learned enough, and then the next day I have to wake up and learn another new thing. <laughs> you know. Well, we talked about we talked about an adult today and how much they've had to learn just to stay current with what's going on. Um, right. you, you can't you can't put your head in the sand. You can't uh, hide yeah. under a rock. The yep. only you you said it I think earlier. Learning has become the constant. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I know I, when you were talking about the different ways you were talking about the different ways that people learn. Uh, you know how some people like to learn just online, and some people like to learn just in a classroom. I think that. I took a class not long ago. I definitely prefer myself. I like the uh, hybrid where you have to show up for some classes and then part of it is online. That's nice. I like the accountability of showing up and also the interaction, you know? Right. That's a, that's a nice that's a nice piece of it. I like the interaction, but also I like how you you need to show up. That's a that's a good piece of it for me at least. Well, and we talked about some of the advantages, you know, my perspective on the advantages of a live classroom setting. I, th- I think people take for granted what they learn from somebody else's question. And right. sometimes I, I think that's missing in an online or a strictly on a, online environment. Right, right. Or or sometimes when you're online, uh, you know, you do have the advantage of being of of having a, a conference like environment, but occasionally, if you're only online, you know, you can, people can, 
I know that there's a tendency occasionally to be able to to tune out, you know, whereas Checking if you're mail. in. Yeah, exactly. You know, but whereas if you're as if you're face to face, it's it's a little bit more difficult, although although I did notice when I was taking some classes, you know, at the university as a, as an adult, I was astounded where I could see people on their laptops doing all kinds of things, you know, on Facebook oh or whatever. And I was thinking, what in the world has life turned into? <laughs> even even in our even in our daily programs, I, I've seen it. I've seen it for years. There's people yeah. on their phone. There is people on their technology. Right. And you're like, how are you really multitasking? You're you're here to learn you know, something like CPT coding and you're you're checking Facebook. Really? Right. So, well, we struggle on, but <laughs> Well, but you you made it you made a great observation though as an adult learner. There really is um there's two different types of people that show up at some of our daily classes and and our trainers and people here internally, we talk about it. There's the person that was told to be there. There's the person that wants to be there. Well, true. Yes. Our 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 so our fall conference will be filled with people that want to be there because it's this is their career. Right, right, right. There are all types. Yeah, there are all types of learners. Yeah, that's true. Well, a lot of the tra a lot of the training that's required, well, a lot of the OSHA training, you know, for patient safety and and employee safety. You know, people people will sit there and doze off and be in the class and get the piece of paper that says, okay. I've taken the class this year, but they didn't really get what they needed to out of it. Right, but you do have, you know, a bunch of a lot of eager people as well who absolutely who very, right, right. In doing research, in doing research for this, and just doing some reading prior to you and I doing some planning, um, in in the news cycle several weeks ago, several different articles about shortage of healthcare workers. And not just not just uh, licensed professionals or doctors or nurses. It was talking about the staff. It was also talking about physician burnout because of the mm -hmm. additional administrative burden with all of the new processes and paperwork and, and, and systems that we're trying to gravitate toward. Yeah, I was reading some articles about that as well and about the need for, you know, respite as well. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's difficult. very stressful, very stressful. So, Catherine, you just talked about a respite and you talk about stress. One of the things we really haven't talked about, we talk about in a lot of our classes, certainly a customer service class, where we focus mainly in the outpatient market, uh, outpatient setting. Generally, the people that are walking through the door don't feel good. That's a right. real difficult thing to deal with day in, day out, all day long. So the the administrative burden and the, the provider being able to practice and the office staff being able to take care of the business part of the practice, very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so David, did you have any other any other words that you wanted to, to share with us or any other thoughts? Well, now it feels more appropriate to uh, steal uh, Nike's tagline and say, just do it. Um, <laughs> I hope we've given people some things to think about and maybe some resources and places to go and a, and a place to start. But putting, uh, putting a plan in place and, and having people trained appropriately 
is really part of that successful practice. So, Catherine, I really appreciate the time, and thanks for having me on the show today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks to our audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. You can learn more about the show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Short at FirstHCC.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.